Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.03 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 25th day of July, 2023, and this is episode 762 of Bitcoin. And the Circle P is open for business. Who we got today? You've heard about him before. It's Shishi with a bunch of comfrey, and you're going to want comfrey. You really want this plant. I can't. I don't know how many times I got to say it, but this plant solves quite a few problems with compost, uh oh being able to mulch in place it's got medicinal properties i cover i cover all of it in i think it's 7 729 i think episode 729 it's uh, all about comfrey and you can go to that particular episode and the whole thing is about why it is that you want this plant in the first place and if you listen to that and you go oh shit i got to get this plant you're going to get it from shishi that's s h i s h i 21m at protonmail.com if you want to email them it takes a you know it's slower uh if you want to get it to them faster you got to get over on Noster and look for shishi at shishi uh shi shi he'll sell you one full root for 20 bucks root cuttings are a buck each you pay the shipping you're not going to be disappointed uh, he has two kinds of comfrey. It's Bocking 14, Bocking 4. Because he's a vendor in the Circle P, every time that you tell him that you heard about his product and want to buy it from the Circle P over on the Bitcoin and podcast, he will cut me in. That's right. He'll cut me into some of those sweet, sweet, sweet Satoshis. Um, now, I got a surprise for you, but let's get into some of the news first. Bitcoin Magazine starts us off, Mickey Koss. Your pre-coiner friends might not understand the problems that Bitcoin is solving. This has always been the case, y'all. It may seem counterintuitive, but in my last four years serving in the U.S. Army, I've essentially been a customer service specialist. Whether it's addressing pay issues in the military pay office as a commander or addressing travel or budget questions as a comptroller in an operational unit of late, I found myself asking more questions of the customers than they've been asking of me. It, I've come to realize that many people don't really understand the problems that they are experiencing. And because of this conundrum, the questions they ask me when seeking assistance may not yield an answer, not yield an answer that actually solves those problems. I've come to realize that a large part of my job has become uncovering the actual problems. Yes, the actual problems, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Something shiny just happened. <clears throat> uh, where was I? 
And because of this conundrum, the questions they ask me when seeking assistance may not yield an answer that actually solves those problems. I've come to realize that a large part of my job has become uncovering the actual problems so that I can fix them at their roots. Therein lies the common thread that I found with orange pilling and teaching people about Bitcoin, much like the soldier who approaches me asking a question that doesn't quite make sense. Your friends and family may be asking you strange questions as well without a real understanding of what problem Bitcoin is trying to solve. As stewards of the Bitcoin space and de facto ambassadors of to our circles of acquaintance, I see the Bitcoiner's role as similar to that of a customer service professional. People don't understand the monetary system, let alone the problems they face within. Insert the potentially overused analogy about asking a fish about water here. Instead of answering questions blindly and talking or taking them at face value, I challenge you to dig a little deeper next time. Help your curious friend understand what they are asking. Help them uncover the issues that they didn't know they cared about. Help them ask the right questions. Otherwise, they may never get their problems solved. All right, so it's a short piece by Mickey Koss out of Bitcoin Magazine, but it makes a, it, it brings to light a few things. Everybody that's out there listening to this, if raise your hand if the following is true. You are a customer service representative. How many of y'all raise, uh, raise your hands? Half? Quarter? The answer should have been 100%. I'm not lying. You may think that that's crazy. It's like, dude, my job, I I work in an office. I don't have any contact with customers. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You're a customer service representative to every single person that you work with. If they ask you anything, you automatically become a customer service rep. And being good at customer service is a fundamental thing about being a human being even before the term customer service came into play, right? We're all customer service reps to each other, to our friends, to ourselves, to our family. Have you ever asked yourself a question? Congratulations. You just became your own best customer. I'm just saying that's the way this shit works. Anybody who's out there that thinks that they are not customer facing is doing themselves and all the other people around them a great disservice. All right, so now let's go into the fact that alt season is coming. And what have I been asking and begging you guys to do? Get a hold of your family and friends before, God forbid, Sam Altman gets a hold of them. And again, I will reiterate, if in 2017, let's go back five years, right? Five years ago, a buddy of you said, hey, what about this Bitcoin thing? And you say, oh, well, it does this and it does that. And then you haven't heard from them since, right? Or maybe it's like a, a, I don't know, a second cousin or something. You, hopefully you're, you're not like five years out from talking to your friends in between, but you get what I'm saying, right? If you haven't heard from them in a while, I, but they've ever asked you a question about Bitcoin at all, I guarantee you right now because of Elon Musk and X, they're looking at buying Doge. They're salivating. They're out there. I can hear them. I can hear them chewing. I can hear them like smacking their lips, man. I can hear them grinding their hands going, whoo, we're going to be super wealthy. And you know, if you've been in this space any length of time whatsoever, what that means, it means they're going to get wrecked. You are their customer service rep. You don't have to wait for somebody to ask you a question about it. If they've ever asked you a question before about Bitcoin, you need to get a hold of them 
right now, today, not tomorrow, not the next day, because alt season is coming fast and it's going to wreck a great many people one more time. I don't know how many more times this is going to happen, but it's going to happen at least one more time. It's coming. You'll see. I guarantee it. It's going to happen. Now, uh, FOMAC begins today. The Federal Open Committee, whatever the FOMAC stands for, anyway, the Fed is going to make decisions and they're starting their meetings today. Let's get into the details. Coindesk, James Rubin, Rate hike looms as FOMAC begins latest monetary policy deliberations. For 16 months, the Federal Reserve has been long on inflation anxiety and short on interest rate surprises. On Tuesday, the Central Bank's Federal Open Market Committee, which sets monetary policy, will begin deliberations that will likely continue this trend the following day with a 25 basis point rate hike and lots of teeth gnashing about the continued threat of inflation. The CME rate... Watchtool is currently forecasting a 98% probability of yet another quarter point increase that would raise the federal funds rate to a range of 525 to 550 basis points, its highest level in 17 years. The FOMAC suspended its 15-month diet of monetary tightening last month, briefly raising investor hopes that it had turned dovish for the foreseeable future. But in a statement following that decision, the bank suggested that inflation remained concerning and that further rate hiking was possible. Quote, in assessing the appropriate stance of monetary policy, the committee will continue to monitor the implications of incoming information for the economic outlook, FOMAC said. The committee would be prepared to adjust the stance of monetary policy as, a pro- as appropriate if risks emerge that could impede the attainment of the committee's goals. That's 2% inflation. The committee's assessments will take into account a wide range of information, including readings on labor market conditions, inflation pressures, and inflation expectations, as well as financial and international developments. Crypto markets have been curiously resistant to the latest macroeconomic utterances with a few blips. Bitcoin has been trading in a range between 29000 and 31500 for much of the past two months. It was recently changing hands at 29100 down more than 3% over the past 24 hours. Quote, it will take a fresh catalyst to excite Bitcoin traders Edward Moya, senior market analyst at foreign exchange market maker Onada, or Oanda, wrote in a Monday note. On Tuesday, the conference board will release its latest consumer confidence index, the CCI, which reflects sentiment about the economy. Thursday reports on jobless claims will offer the latest data on economic growth, while Friday's personal consumption expenditures, the PCE, a favored inflation measure of the Federal Reserve, could buttress the bank's latest move or not. The Federal Reserve will take its latest steps in trying to reduce inflation to its long-sought goal of 2%. The June 3% reading continued an encouraging trend, slightly beating expectations and dropping from 4% in May. Just a year ago, inflation was roaring at 9%. Still, the Fed has remained fretful about a still-sizzling job market that typically dovetails with rising prices and a stubbornly high core PCI. In remarks to the House Financial Services Committee a week after the Fed halted rate hikes, Fed Chair Jerome Powell noted that nearly all FOMAC participants expect that it will be appropriate to raise interest rates somewhat further by the end of the year. Last month, the CCI soared to 109, up 7 points from May 
and its highest level since January of 2022 as consumers exulted over the vibrant jobs market and a lower likelihood of recession. The current consensus is that the CCI is for the CCI to rise to 112. One potentially bitter note, the conference board survey also found that consumers haven't entirely ruled out the possibility of recession. Last week's jobless claims turned for the worse last week, at least for analysts and investors hoping for signs the job market would cool. The 228,000 first-time jobless claims for the week ending July the 15th were about 9,000 fewer than the previous week and lower than expectations. The forecast is for first-time claims for the week ending July 22 will rise to 235,000, a small number that is unlikely to unsettle asset markets. May durable goods orders rose 1.7%, their third consecutive monthly gain, offering another sign that the United States economy was doing anything but shrinking. Expectations are for a 1.5% rise when the Census Bureau publishes June data. PCE has declined steadily over the past year, another upbeat signal for inflation watchers. May three, May's 3.8 reading year-over-year year was down from over 5% at the, at the start, Core PCE, which strips away more volatile food and energy costs, has seesawed between 4.6 and 4.7 the past three months, a less optimistic trend that the that has concerned the Fed, although expectations are for a 4.2% reading in June. So there you go. That's That's the latest on what's going on in the general macroeconomic trends, at least as far as the United States uh, economy is concerned. They're going to raise rates again because if he doesn't do it now, uh, well, he could he he could possibly keep them keep them at where they are, but he's not going to. It's going to be another point or yeah, a quarter point rise in interest rates. Uh, and what it, what's weird though is that I'm starting to see home prices spike back up. Everything is broken. None of this shit makes sense. You got a hot, according to these bullshit numbers, you got a hot job market. I don't think that that's true. I don't think none of, that none of those numbers actually include the people that just stopped. Just stopped looking. They're just done. They're tired. Everything, like all the numbers that we're looking at are not the actual numbers. What did I tell you yesterday about science? You start fudging numbers, you're going to get in trouble if you're, you know, a well-respected scientist with a PhD working at a university in a research, you know, and you are in in the lead of a research lab doing publishing and getting grants. If anybody even thinks or used to think rather things are different now, but you get what I'm saying. If, If it used to be that if anybody even thought, even if there was a rumor that you were playing around with data, you're going to get in bad trouble. These guys, they don't care anymore. The scientists don't care anymore. These people don't care anymore. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what a dollar costs. Nobody knows what a dollar will buy. Therein lies enough confusion, enough confusion to really, really throw a bunch of, throw a bunch of shit on this. So be careful out there. Now, even though we're going to get another rate hike, even though it's going to make housing even more, you know, unaffordable, there are silver linings when it comes to the places that you and I are at. 
you know, in Bitcoin, Noster. But this time, this time I'm going to play you guys a song. And I, and for the first time, I don't have to worry about ASCAP or BMI having some kind of weird bot out there scraping everybody's podcast that's going to send me a cease and desist and get my shit ejected from, you know, from the interwebs, right? No, no, no. I don't have to worry about it. This song is coming to you from Wavelake. Young woman's name is Ainsley Costello. She's got to be, she's got to be like under 20 years old. It's highly likely this girl is 15 or 16 years old, but I've been chilling her on, on Noster for the last, last few days. And this time I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to play the damn song because it's a good tune. It's pop. I get that. It's not like you're going to listen to like, you know, some kind of really cool ass like Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd. No, no, no. This is just simple music that you would hear on the radio, but she's good. And I like the song, honestly. I've kind of gotten used to some, you know, some pop, but hey, it is what it is. The point that the point is we really need to support each other because think about the way that you bought music, I don't know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. <clears throat> when you buy an like an album from an artist, you think you're supporting the artist. This this is no longer the case. The majority of the money that you spend on that album goes to everybody but the actual artist, unless you're talking about somebody who's like top top 10 charter, right? But all the guys that are just trying to come up, they just want to make a living making music. No, it's not happening for them any longer. That world is over. Because, because of the legacy financial system, because of the way that it's corrupted the the, the mental capacity of most people on this planet corruption in the music industry is rampant and it's almost impossible to make a buck like these guys that are streaming music and they're supposed to get like a penny per play they're not getting that they're getting fractions of a penny per play right they're they're not making ends meet doing the thing that they want to do i want to see that change and i want you to help this young lady make her dream come true because she doesn't need Sony music. She doesn't need Paramount. She doesn't need BMI. She doesn't need ASCAP. What she needs is people listening to her song and liking it enough to give her some Satoshis because she is part of the value for value model. Okay. I heard this song dropped on podcasting 2.0 and Adam Curry is able because of the podcasting 2.0 tags set it so that the minute that song kicked in, all boosts during that time going to his podcast actually got funneled to Ainsley Costello's. Either her, I can't, I either it went directly to her Wave Lake account or some in some other form or fashion. But Ainsley Costello was getting those boosts from the podcasting 2.0 segment that had her song playing. I don't know how to do that. So what I'm going to ask you to do is instead of boosting during this segment, Go to Wave Lake, Ainsley Costello, Cherry on Top is the name of the song. You can find it with Cherry on Top, okay? Load your wallet up on Wave Lake. Yeah, you got to register with an email. I hear tell that they're going to give Nostr, get Nostra credentials working in Wave Lake here pretty soon, but it's not yet. But go ahead and sign up. And then load the wallet with some Satoshis, throw her five grand, 
throw her 10 grand. It's worth it. Ainsley Costello, cherry on top. It's a good song. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if it's my style or your style or, you know, anybody's style that's that's out there because yeah, I got a lot of like, you know, a lot of people that are listening that would rather listen to Zeppelin, Floyd, Dylan. I get it. But how are you gonna get any of those guys back if they have to mire their way through Sony music contracts? Because they're not going to make anything. This if if this poor girl gets thrown to that beast and tries to make her way through that, it's just going to crush her ass. And we don't have to let that happen. You don't You don't have to let that happen. You can help that chick. You can. You can just boost the living shit out of her. Right now, she's got about 162,000 Satoshis that that song has made. I want to see it go to a million. I want to see it actually be substantial money. 
so that she can figure out that there's other people that actually want her to succeed. And, and we don't have to be, you know, artist and repertoire from Sony Music or whatever, right? We don't, we don't have to be the guy in the suit that doesn't understand music, has never picked up a guitar in his or her life to help this young woman out. We don't. We can take matters into our own hands here. We don't need the gatekeepers. We don't need the middlemen. We have all the tools necessary. The problem is we're not doing it. We're not helping each other. We're, but it's not because we don't want to. It's because we're stuck in this legacy financial bullshit that has trained us that the only way that we can purchase something or enjoy something or have the rights to something can play something on a podcast or not play something on a podcast is all been given to us. We've been instructed how that works. We don't need that anymore. And until we actually take up the reins of this horse and buggy, we're not going to get to where we want to go. So help this young lady get to where she needs to be going. Now, Elon Musk has gotten to where he went and where he went Oh, God, it's a dark place. Savannah Fortis, Cointelegraph. Elon Musk says that X will offer an entire financial world in the coming months. Oh, joy, that's going to be great. Elon Musk shared an update for users with more information on Twitter's rebranding to X, saying that it's part of a larger plan to incorporate financial services on the platform. On July the 25th, Musk tweeted that his ex-corp enterprise acquired Twitter in the name of freedom of speech and to advance the development of his everything app, also to be called X. He hinted that in the coming months, users can expect to conduct their entire financial world on the platform, pausing to say what could possibly go wrong. He also mentioned the addition of comprehensive communications together with the financial services and extended post did not fit the original ethos of Twitter and therefore merited the name change. The platform's branding lost its bluebird and shifted over to an X symbol yesterday, July the 24th. In an interview, Musk said that if executed correctly, X has the potential to encompass half of the global financial system with plans for banking payments, and more. Some have likened the potential of the X app to be akin to China's WeChat. Prior to public awareness of the rebranding, Musk had been advocating for the integration of financial services onto the platform since he acquired it for $44 billion back in October of 2022. In April, he briefly changed Twitter's logo to Doge, which caused the meme coin Doge to surge 20% in one hour following the stunt. And a few weeks later, CNBC reported that Twitter would introduce a new feature in partnership with fintech platform eToro that would allow users to trade cryptocurrencies and stocks on the platform. Shortly after the rebrand, users noticed the Doge symbol had been added to Musk's profile, which sparked rumors among the crypto community of a potential Dogecoin integration for payments on the platform. Despite Musk's ongoing relationship with the crypto community via his championing of the meme coin, crypto Twitter had mixed reactions to the rebranding of the platform. Some in the community called the decision insane and that they would still call the platform by its own its old name, while others suggested keeping the Twitter name and using X as the wallet for the platform. Honestly, it's all bullshit. It's rebranding just, honestly, it, it doesn't work. Will it work for Musk? Oh, I don't know. I mean, the guy's got more money than God, so maybe. It just, it's cringe. The whole thing is cringe, but what's more cringe is the fact that he wants you to be able to conduct all of your financial transactions on what used to be Twitter, are you insane? 
there's nothing good that can come from this. The fact that WeChat does what it does for the Chinese citizens is scary as hell all by itself, and I'm not a Chinese citizen. Right? Anybody who actually wants to take part or thinks that this is a good idea, I have to tell you that you're wrong. You're just wrong. I mean, I, and it's not that I want to be right. It's just that I am. I, you're wrong. You can't, if you allow your financial future to have any part of what used to be Twitter under the guidance of Elon Musk, you are insane. Don't do it. It's not worth it, ladies and gentlemen. But he's him and Annalisa Torres, Judge Annalisa Torres from the Southern District of New York Federal Court, they are almost co-conspirators in stealing the money away from people that can least afford to lose it. And none of these people deserve anything but oblivion upon death. Not hell, not heaven, oblivion. And if I could shoot both of them out into the sun right now, I would have already done so, but I can't. So there, there, there you go. Now, God, world coin. Let's, yeah, let's do world coin. Prescient jaw coin telegraph. WorldCoin may face UK data regulators inquiries days after launch. Oh, okay. The newly launched controversial crypto and ID project WorldCoin could face inquiries from data regulators in the UK as it raises concerns over privacy and critical biometric data safety, according to a Reuters report. The Information Commissioner's Office, the UK's data regulatory body, acknowledged the launch of the crypto project in the country and said it would examine the project and make further inquiries concerning data laws. When Cointelegraph reached out to the ICO to ask about its reported probe into WorldCoin, the agency declined to comment. The spokesperson for the regulator said that they have not announced anything publicly to confirm or deny if we are looking into WorldCoin. Until then, I would not be able to pass comments, end quote. The Digital Identification Center Crypto Project launched on July the 24th and was co-founded by OpenAI CEO Sam Altman. The project secured $115 million in funding in May from Andreessen Horowitz, Bain Capital Crypto, and Distributed Global. WorldCoin onboarded over 2 million users during its beta phase despite many sharing concerns over the nature of the project. While those numbers might look impressive, a study by MIT Technology Review claimed that the majority of the first 1 million users were onboarded using deception, cash handouts, and exploiting workers in developing countries. Several aspects of the project have not gone down well within the crypto community, from concerns over the security of users' biometric data to privacy concerns. Apart from an inquiry in the UK, WorldCoin's native token WLD will not launch in the US, with none of the US-based exchanges such as Coinbase or Kraken listing it. The project developers cited regulatory concerns in the US as the key reason behind the decision. However, many crypto proponents believe it qualifies as an unregistered security. Yes, it's an unregistered security. They all are. But Judge Annalisa Torres basically ripped the heart out of the Howey test and now Tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people worldwide are going to be caught up in the coming alt season and it's going to end badly as it always does. Because none of these things are instruments of anything other than stealing your money. Whatever. Let's run the numbers.
We got Earl. Earl is up again today. 1.22% to the upside for West Texas Intermediate, bringing it just below 80 bucks a barrel. Brent Norsey likewise up a full point, $83.60. Natural gas is up also a full point to $2.71 uh, a thousand. And gasoline, however, is down one and third point to $2.85 a gallon. Gold is up scant to 1963 and 40 cents. Silver is up almost a point. Platinum is up 0.65. Copper is up a point and a half. Palladium is up 0.1, no, 1.16%. Agriculture just took a massive dump. It just shit the bed all over the place. I was seeing red everywhere. The only winners today are cotton and cocoa. Uh, cocoa is actually the biggest winner, 1.61% to the upside. Biggest loser is rough rice, 2.28% to the down. Got live cattle down almost a half. Lean hogs are up over two points. Feeder cattle are basically the eh, same as it was yesterday. Uh Dow is up a quarter of a point. S&P is up 0.4. NASDAQ is up almost a full point. S&P mini is up a third real money struggling at 29,204 bucks. We've got what? Uh, 0.5 BTC is an average transaction value and 16 cents is the median transaction value. So the idiots over at taproot wizards are alive and well block time is nine minutes and 48 seconds. We've got 0.12 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 18.1 uh, overall in the last 24 hours with a 4.21% increase in hash rate. We are at 410.7 exahashes per second, according to BitInfo charts and Doge. Yeah, eight United States pennies. That tells you, this is why I use Dogecoin as the shitcoin indicator of the day so that we know what the entire field of shitcoins are doing. And they're all going up. Why? Because of alt season. Why? Because of Elon Musk Annalisa Torres and the rest of the people. Oh, and Sam Altman. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of people that are involved in this shit. That's why this one's different because this one is an alt season mediated by federal judges, billionaires, and a whole bunch of other people that just don't give a shit about you. Whereas before it was just the latter. It was just a whole bunch of people that didn't give a shit about you, but now you got federal judges and billionaires in the mix. So prepare accordingly. And that means call your friends before they call you asking questions. Be their customer service rep, okay? Please, for the love of God. We got a $569.1 billion market cap. That's 4.36% of gold's market cap. There are 19,438,761.83 Bitcoin in circulation. 4,665.9 of those are in the Lightning Network, now valued at $136.6 million. 16,379 nodes that we know about on the Lightning Network, sporting 68,759 payment channels. And, ooh, wow, 72 0.8% of all that is over Tor. So we've got an increase in Tor usage. Yay. That always makes me happy, even though Tor is continuously under attack. Mempool's not looking too bad. Uh, looks like we've got about 102, 103 blocks carrying 271,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. 12 Satoshis per V-byte will get you a high priority transaction. Low priority is 10 Satoshis per V-byte. Anything under 3.87 Satoshis per V-byte is being purged from mempools across the world. And mempool.space, which is what I'm on, 
looks like their re- their reading of hash rate is 378.6 exahashes per second. So pick your number. I am number 10, speaking of numbers, on the Fountain app charts. Yay! So here is uh, the boostograms from X-Kills Twitter, episode 761. I got letters 6173 with a striper boost says worry for those who don't self custody agreed Pitar with a striper boost says good bean medium roast coffee arrived today from El Salvador has a nutty fragrance with a mild taste reminds me a little of Maxwell House an interesting cup but I think I will try the dark roast on my next purchase yeah i i presented good bean uh, or good beans coffee as a potential circle P vendor have, I still haven't really gotten in touch with them directly. Um, but you know, search Noster for good beans or search Twitter for good beans. I think it's good bean the, or good beans the, I'm not exactly sure exactly how they, they had to do their, their Twitter handle or I'm, I'm sorry, their X handle. Did you know, God speaking of, did you know that he's renamed tweets to Zeets? X E E T and it's not actually pronounced Z because X in China is pronounced sh so it's more like sheet. I'm telling you, man, rebranding is just it's tricky and it never fucking works. Fatoshi with forty three twenty two says troll. Oh god, I've been trolled. Help, help, I'm being trolled. Jory underscore X underscore McKee with four, three, two, one says fascinating stuff regarding Amazon watershed and CO2. It is fascinating, honestly. And I just touched the, it's like an iceberg. It's like, it's all a whole little rabbit hole, right? Putting charcoal in the soil. Dude, biochar does. I won't even get into it. I'm about to go down the rabbit hole. Dubrovko with a thousand says should have cried harder. He comes back and replies to that says, Ooh, shit, I wrote that before listening as I was joking about you getting kicked from threads. It, too, can apply to getting knocked from the top ten. Yeah, I'm kind of crying harder on that one. (laughs) Dubrovko also says, The links in Apple Podcast works. Most of them work on Spotify. Okay, great. So there's your boots on the ground report as to the links in the show notes. Thank you very much, Dubrovko. I appreciate that, bro. Pies with 100 says, Thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use and gird your loins. Ladies and gentlemen, traders are turning from Bitcoin to altcoins amid favorable ripple ruling. What I tell you, Pedro Salamano from Decrypt <clears throat> tells us about the carnage to come. The favorable Ripple ruling last week appears to have spurred new interest in the wider altcoin market. Per a new Kaiko report, uh, Bitcoin's dominance, its relative percentage of the total market capitalization, has dropped by 8%. Oh my God, we're all going to die across the 25 largest exchanges this month. That occasion simultaneously sparked a mini altcoin rally over the past week, led by none other than Ripple, or XRP, and other select altcoins such as shitcoin number one, shitcoin number two, and shitcoin number three. According to the crypto data provider, Bitcoin dominance is at a multi-month low, hitting 27% across the largest exchanges on the market, a number not seen since April. 
Although altcoin investors were quick to celebrate and capitalize on the XRP-led alt season over the past week, Kaiko analyst Desalava Ayanava told Decrypt that it's too soon to consider this a sustainable rally. No, it's not. It is a sustainable rally, and if you take part in it, you're going to get your fucking lunch eaten. Though volumes have risen over the past weeks, they remain well below the 2020 to 2021 average. Quote, buying pressures have dropped on American markets, she told Decrypt, adding that liquidity continues to be very thin and the full impact of the ruling will unfold over the next few months. The current environment is especially volatile in both directions, and uh, Ayanava considers that the market lacks a clear catalyst and pointed to the U.S. government and Bitcoin miners selling swaths of Bitcoin. After Judge Annalisa Torres issued a partial ruling somewhat in Ripple's favor, the XRP token has been on a heady ride, enjoying a 45% gain over the past two weeks. The token is now trading hands at $0.69. The outcome, which might see an appeal by the SEC, confirms a large interest in XRP, which, according to Keiko's research, is even more accentuated outside United States borders. The report states that the Korean market, one that uh, Ayanava says is historically altcoin driven and the second largest for XRP activity, has seen an uptick in broad-based activity, meaning retail and whales are buying. Quote, overall, BTC longer-term outlook has improved, benefiting from ETF-related inflows should the SEC approve it and the upcoming halving event. And should inflation continue to soften, the Fed tightening cycle has peaked. So alt season. I'm not lying. I I don't come up with predictions just to sound like I'm coming up with predictions so that I can flip a coin and be right half the time and say, look, I was right. No, I know what's coming. I've been here long enough to see the writing on the wall and the writing on the wall is grim. You don't want to have anything to do with this, but better yet, because you listened to the show, you probably already know that. So you are now armed to the teeth with the amount of information that you need to reach out to your friends and tell them to stay the fuck away from this. Because they're going to do shit. They're going to do that stupid shit like mortgage their house or get a credit card at, God forbid, 18.6% APR and max that fucker out for cash so that they can, I don't know, ape into some kind of weird NFT, right? And it's going to hurt and you're going to have to watch it. At least you can say you tried. Please, again, I'm begging you, reach out to your friends and family, especially those that have already asked you a question about it, about Bitcoin, about altcoins. Just they're they're the ones that are right now. They're not thinking about getting into contact with you. They're trying to figure out which of this shit to buy. God forbid. Now, U.S. presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to speak at Mining Disrupt Bitcoin Conference. Nick Hoffman has it for Bitcoin Magazine. U.S. presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was recently announced as a speaker at the upcoming Mining Disrupt 2023, a highly anticipated event in the Bitcoin mining community taking place in Miami on July 25th through the 27th at the Miami Airport Convention Center. Oh, God, that just sounds like a really nasty place to be. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. also spoke at the Bitcoin 2023 conference earlier this year in Miami. Since then, the presidential candidate has only increased his devotion to Bitcoin, announcing that if elected president, he would back the U.S. dollar with BTC and eliminate 
capital gains taxes on Bitcoin to dollar conversions. Mining Disrupt will also feature a strong lineup of keynotes and discussion panels starring expert speakers in the Bitcoin mining space, allowing attendees to learn more about and stay updated on the latest products and strategies and tendencies in the mining industry. The event organizers expect around 5,000 attendees at this conference. Michael Cruz, Mining Disrupt founder and co-owner, reflected on how far the conference has come in the last few years. What started as the Mining Disrupt Telegram group for miners over six years ago turned into our first official trade show in 2019, and now we are thrilled to be celebrating our fifth anniversary. What an amazing ride. Gabriel Rodriguez, co-owner of Mining Disrupt, emphasized the essence of the event as a true business-to-business exposition and conference uniting leading companies in Bitcoin mining from around the globe under one roof. With over 100 sponsors and exhibitors, their shared goals revolve around building trust and fostering the growth of the young mining industry. Those who wish to learn about the two-day event, three-night event, or two-day, three-night event can read more on their website here. And that is miningdisrupt.com miningdisrupt.com if you want to be part of that and go listen to I don't know presidential hopeful Robert F Kennedy Jr. All right now Wyoming on to the west <clears throat> David Atley Coin Telegraph Wyoming seeks stable token commission head in first steps to establish a state stable coin uh, I'm bringing this to you. I, I'm I'm not a fan of stable, stable coins, but I don't hate them either. <clears throat> but Wyoming has been for years at the forefront of policy and legislation that is Bitcoin friendly in the United States. So let's see what they've got on their plate. The United States state of Wyoming is beginning its work on its stable coin, officially called the Stable Token Project by opening a job position for the head of the Stable Token Commission. The executive will lead a team responsible for making a proper legislative framework for the project. The position was opened on the federal government's website for civil jobs on July the 20th. The commission seeks to hire an executive director who would lead a team comprised of the Wyoming governor, state auditor, state treasurer, and four expert appointees. The state is looking for someone with connections and expertise in the blockchain industry, promising a $150,000 annual salary. 150,000 bones per year, dude. The Wyoming Stable Token Act was introduced in February of 2022, becoming law in March of 23. The act authorizes the issuance of a U.S. dollar peg stablecoin redeemable for fiat held in an account by the state. According to the text of the law, the Stable Token Commission is responsible, among others, for deciding the overall number of tokens to be issued, concluding the requirements for redemption, and selecting the financial institutions to manage said tokens. In April of 2023, <clears throat> a similar initiative was proposed in the state of Texas, where lawmakers introduced bills for creating a state-based digital currency backed by gold. At the same time, several U.S. lawmakers have argued against the federal government's interest in introducing a central bank digital currency. Wyoming, a crypto-friendly jurisdiction. Recently, the state's governor, Mark Gordon, signed a bill preventing the forced disclosure of private keys to protect the privacy of digital asset owners. And in April, the state's attorney general, Bridget Hill, requested to intervene in the case between Custodia Bank and the Federal Reserve, seeking to defend its framework, allowing certain crypto firms to qualify as state chartered banks. So Wyoming marches on. Now, 
I I don't know if this is good or bad, honestly. Like I said, not a fan of stable coins. However, it seems clear that there's a certain amount of utility in them. And there's other, you know, there's there's other people that are making the arguments that stable coins is is a good way, if not the only way, to bridge the legacy financial world to something like Bitcoin. I'm not sure if I want that bridge, but I'm also pretty damn sure I got shit to say about it. So if they do it the right way and they do it with anywhere close to the ethos of Bitcoin, then maybe it won't be just, you know, I don't know, a scam. And I don't think that they mean it to be a scam. It's just that anything can turn into a scam, whether you meant it to or not. But almost anything can be turned into a scam. And and that's why stablecoin issuances always kind of make me a little wary as to where things are going. But whatever. We have some winners, by the way. This time we're going to talk a little bit about AI. But what, because it's part of the whole deal, all right? We got Bitcoin. We've got decentralized communication channels like Noster. And you're going to have to deal with AI, whether you like it or not, okay? It's just, that's that's the thing. And it's going to affect everybody, just like the car affected everybody, whether they wanted it to or not. Announcing the winners of the Prem Challenge with Langchain. Simone Says has published this in Premlog, uh, which is a medium.com forward slash Prem hyphen blog. So there you go. We at Prem Labs are... Happy to share the results of our Prem Challenge with Langchain. The challenge was designed to promote an ecosystem of privacy-preserving applications, and we couldn't be more delighted with the innovative solutions that emerged, putting user privacy at the forefront. After intense deliberation, we are proud to announce our top four applications. First place, Jarvis. This incredibly creative team developed Jarvis, a state-of-the-art chatbot that leverages multiple Prem services to provide a seamless conversational experience. The integration of Whisper Tiny for audio to text conversion, Bark for text to audio conversion, and Vicuna 7BQ4 as language model made Jarvis a standout solution. The team demonstrated how combining multiple services could result in a compelling user-friendly solution that keeps privacy intact. An incredible job indeed. Second place, highlighter from our good friend Pablo, the guy that's got like, what, 40 projects ongoing at a time. He plays second in this particular competition with highlighter. Taking the second spot is highlighter team for their clever use of the whisper service via prim for speech-to-text conversion. Their integration with the Noster ecosystem added a compelling layer to their project, a refreshing take on utilizing AI with a strong focus on privacy. And you can go over to github.com forward slash Pablo F7Z and find his Noster data vending machine. That's Noster data vending machine from Pablo F7Z. That was the whole reason I'm reading this in the first place, but we might as well do third place and Pleb AI. The third place goes to Pleb AI. They made a strong impression with a simple, effective solution employing the GPT for all language model within a chat interface. It's a perfect example of how simplicity and efficiency can lead to effective privacy focused applications. Fourth place, Twitter SD. Last but not least, 
Twitter SD, a brilliant and unique concept for creating images from text prompts utilizing the Stable Diffusion 2.1 service. You can now generate images with Stable Diffusion and directly post them on Twitter with just one click. Yay! In addition to our top four winners, we'd also like to take a moment to appreciate several other notable projects. Even though they didn't make it to the top four, the innovation, hard work, and dedication that went into these projects is not lost on us, and we have Prem Doctor, Study Buddy, and French Legal Text QA application. We want to express our gratitude to all participants for their hard work and ingenious submissions. We are proud to be part of a community that continues to push the boundaries of what's possible while prioritizing user privacy. Congratulations to the winners. Your well-deserved prizes are on their way. Stay tuned for future events and keep innovating. Yay. So there you go, man. Congratulations to Pablo. Um, that dude is, he's, it's, he's like a machine. It's, it's bizarre. I mean, at, at first when he said, Oh, I'm working on this. And, and then about like, you know, 12 projects in, I start getting a little worried about Pablo that he's biting off more than he can chew. The problem is, is that a, he doesn't keel over dead and B he just keeps knocking these projects out of the park. Highlighter by itself is amazing. And there's so many tools that he's written that I want to use. And I never find myself having enough time to just be able to sit down and figure out how some of these things work. But the people that do, they keep coming back with the, you know, saying the following things. This is amazing. It solves exactly the problem that I wanted to have solved and pop. So Pablo, congratulations, man. I'm, I'm, I can't tell you how happy I am for you. Now, and last one for AI, open AI quietly shuts down. It's AI detection tool. Jason Nelson from decrypt in January, artificial intelligence powerhouse, open AI announced a tool that could save the world. <laughs> bullshit, or at least preserve the sanity of professors and teachers by detecting whether a piece of content had been created using generative AI tools like its own chat GPT. Half a year later, that tool is dead, killed because it couldn't do what it was designed to do. Chat GPT creator OpenAI quietly unplugged its AI detection tool, which is named AI Classifier, last week because of its low rate of accuracy, the firm said. The explanation was not in a new announcement, but added in a note added to the blog post that first announced the tool. The link to OpenAI's classifier is no longer available. Quote, we are working to incorporate feedback and are currently researching more effective provenance techniques for text and have made a commitment <clears throat> to develop and deploy mechanisms that enable users to understand if audio or visual content is AI generated. OpenAI wrote, New tools allowing the use of increasingly sophisticated AI come online almost daily and have created a cottage industry of AI detectors. OpenAI announced the launch of its AI classifier, claiming it could distinguish between text written by a human and an AI. Even then, however, OpenAI called the classifier not fully reliable, adding that the evaluations on a challenge set of English text correctly identified 26% of AI-written text as likely AI-written, while incorrectly labeling the human-written text as AI-written 9% of the time. OpenAI said limitations of the AI classifier include 
being unreliable on text with fewer than a thousand characters, incorrectly labeling text written by humans as written by AI, and classifiers based on neural networks performing poorly outside of their training data. One sector that is acutely interested in acutely or accurately detecting AI is education. Since the launch of ChatGPT in November, educators have sounded the alarm of students using the chatbot to write essays. Quote, we recognize that identifying AI written text has been an important point of discussion among educators and equally important is recognizing the limits and impacts of AI-generated text classifiers in the classroom, OpenAI said, adding that the company will continue to broaden outreach as it learns. OpenAI has not responded to Decrypt's request for comment. So the AI detection tool that has gotten a lot of students into trouble, even though that they did actually write their essays by themselves, uh, is now gone. Now, that doesn't mean that it won't come back. I fully expect it, you know, other tools to come back, but they're all going to be wrong. And, you know, in fact, you know, I know of a, you know, I know of a particular case involved where a student at a college uh, basically got uh, blasted out of a class for uh, plagiarism because an AI detection tool that his professor used uh, tagged it, uh, flagged it as being AI generated, but it wasn't. It just wasn't. I won't get, it's like, well, how do you know? I, I won't get into it. Just for, for now, just trust me. It just wasn't. Because, you know, the guy actually likes to write. In either event, he's appealed it. I don't know if the appeal is going well, but I don't think it is. And so that's the thing with this this whole thing. Is that... For the educators that are worried that I'm going to use it to write an essay so that I don't have to write it and turn it in, I'm just as worried that they're going to throw something that I worked really hard on under an AI detection tool and that thing comes back and says, yep, this is generated by AI when I know full well that it wasn't and I can't prove it. However, the detection tool somehow or another is proof enough to damage my ability to complete a class that I paid good money for. And there's no arbitration. There's no sitting in front of a judge. There's no third party to check and see how this, how this worked. There's, there's nothing. It's just, you put it under this microscope and it returns yes or no. And if it returns, yes, you're fucked. So there's two sides to how AI can screw us. Right? So just be, but the whole point is that, being aware that you can't do anything about this is the whole point. Whether you're using AI to do something or you're using AI to detect something, it, it, it's not, it's just part of how we move forward from now on. There's no putting the genie back in the bottle. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to live with AI. And the best way to live with something that you don't like is to learn about it top to bottom, side to side, balls to bones. Otherwise, it's going to be your master and you're going to have to do what it says instead of it being the other way around. And that's why I will continue to drop AI stories into this podcast because it is literally that important. Sure, the name of the podcast is Bitcoin and. Well, Bitcoin and AI. Bitcoin and Noster, Bitcoin and Freedom Tech, right? There's a whole, there's a whole ocean 
that's starting to form like a glacier is melting and all of a sudden a gigantic lake that you can't see the other side of is starting to form right in front of us. And we've got to figure out how deep this lake is, how what its circumference is, what kinds of shit grows in it. Because if we don't, it's going to be a resource that we can't use. Or worse, it's going to be a resource that if we don't understand it, it's going to drown us. And you don't want you don't want the latter. You want to be able to use it. You don't want it to drown you. Okay, so just be aware, and that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, Dad says jokes. I asked my girlfriend to meet me at the gym, but she never showed up. That's how I knew we weren't going to work out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, support the show. You know how to go do podcasting 2.0. God, that was terrible. <laughs> I really got to, I got to take some lessons from Adam Curry on how to do this whole DJ shit. You know, he's only got 45 years of experience at doing it. So I might as well give him a call. Not that he'll take it, but whatever. <clears throat> he's pretty good at what he does. Um, Support, but support the show. And you can do so by going to podcasting 2.0 and getting a podcasting 2.0 enabled app. And you can stream me Satoshis. You can give me boostograms. You can ask me questions about stuff like carbon in soil, you know, and biochar and like the, and the whole, that whole boost that I got that I read you earlier about the, how fascinating the Amazon basin and its pre uh, Columbian history is. It is, it, I mean, there's, there's a whole text that's written by a monk uh, that went along with oh conquistador Oriana is what i is who I think it is, and what what he wrote was so fantastical that's where you know like okay wonder woman an amazon if you if you know the you know i mean you don't have to be a comic book geek to actually understand that that's sort of the whole history of wonder woman is that she's an amazon and you hear the things about the amazon women right well where the hell did that come from it came from this text that this monk wrote i'm shit you not grown ass man wrote was writing down what they were seeing on the way down the the uh uh the amazon river right which wasn't the amazon at the time it was named something else but encountering millions of people they were talking about villages that were like, like I don't know, I think he said 70 leagues long. And I think, I can't remember, I think a league is three miles, according to the textbooks that I've read. So you're talking about 100, you know, 140, 280 mile long cities. I'm not, you know, again, it sounds fantastical. And they didn't believe him when he brought, when, when they finally made it back to Spain and he delivered his diary up, they... They didn't appreciate that shit. What they were like, there is no way there's that many people because, you know, at the time we were just getting into heliocentricity and that the earth wasn't the center of the solar system and all that kind of shit. They certainly couldn't believe that there was as many people to rival Europe, right? They weren't going to believe that shit, but this is what the guy wrote. Now, either he was delusional in writing it or something else. I, I don't know, or it was true. 
But one of the things that he wrote about was when they came upon the Amazon women who were bone white, long blonde hair, and were like seven feet tall. There, I, That's where that shit came from, right? It's like, it's a fantastical story. And I don't know if any of it's true. I don't know if it's partially true, but it's worth reading about, honestly. Um, and I can't remember the name of the book that I'm reading right now, but you can go, hold, yeah, you know what? It's worth it. Hold on. All right, here, here's here's my favorite book about uh, what's go, what was going on in the Amazon basin. It's called Terra Preta, T-E-R-R-A-P-R-E-T-A, How the World's Most Fertile Soil Can Help Reverse Climate Change and Reduce World Hunger. All right, I get it. He there's a, I can't find a whole lot of biochar books that don't have people getting hysterical about climate change, okay? It's just the way it is. That's how they're getting their book deals is they have to insert this shit. They may actually believe it. I don't care whenever it is that I get where I have to like, you know, roll my eyes in the back of my head because the climate hysterics, I just skip over it because there's better information in there, even though that they the author may be hysterical. This is the book, and the, a, a very large part of the first part of this book is, in fact, the history of that trip down the Amazon. I highly recommend this book. Again, it's named Terra Preta. It's from a, it's written by a guy named Ute Shub, or Shaub. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Ute, U-T-E. Last name is S-C-H-E-U-B. Ute Shaub, I guess, is how you pronounce it. It's worth it. It's fascinating, and it will give you a really good understanding of what biochar can do and what terra preta is. It kind of means black earth. That's the kind of a shitty translation, but that's what most people go with. It talks about that whole issue of how these people were burying charcoal in the ground and turning what would normally be worthless soil jungle, you know, rainforest soil because it's always leached of its nutrients because it rains all the fucking time, how they turn that into a food production mecca. And they did turn it into a food production mecca. All right. So if you, if you're interested in that kind of thing and you want to read about it further, man, you knock yourself out. Now I'm going to play you out with Ainsley Costello. We're going to hit that song one more time and I'll see you on the other side.
This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.